anchoring points for today's session to get us in the right frame of mind. The le five levels of listening. When I started realizing um, and knowing you should be able to trust. <laughs> and and it's, it's something that we have to yeah, say about the age of eight. That's something external. And you can't really to learn the lessons of again. Have a selected few, few people. If you're going to cry, just. If you're going so to cry, cry. You know what I mean? Um, and share it with someone in a vulnerable place. Super grateful to have my guest on. Today we have our amazing guest, Mr. Jack Evans, who's been sat waiting for me to fiddle about with some technical stuff. Um, very. <laughs> Um, but I would just like to start with a little check-in, see how you're feeling today, Jack. How's it going, man? Uh, today's been all right, actually. Um, much better than I thought it would be. Um, just a couple of things, a couple of creative ideas have kind of just given me a bit of a burst of life, really. Um, so, yeah, started off quite dreary, but um, ended up much better. How was your day? Yeah, I mean, probably a little bit less on the creative side, but I, I, I manage my days quite well and give myself like two or three things to do. And that's like nothing too major, nothing, you know what I mean? And then mm. when I when I have it and I get them done, it, what's it called? Um, something about swallowing the frog. There's that saying of like, get the big things done that you don't want to do and then you feel a bit of achievement and you've got yeah. more, a bit more space in the head to actually get a few creative things done. But it's mm. funny you say that. That is what really picked me up last week. I had a big creative idea as well. And it just, it's funny how when you get excited about something, right? Yeah, you just, um, I, I don't know, you, you sort of lose sense of time and place and you just get immersed in in a, in the present, in, in the possibility. And it, it, it just sort of uh, mutes everything, or at least it, it, it turns the volume down on, on all the noise um of of life um when you've got something exciting to think about and to plan so um yeah that's how my day ended it didn't start that way but it ended that way good and that, that's kind of a nice little snapshot of you know asking how somebody is to it, it probably best or a good sort of um way to think about things is taking stuff day by day at the moment rather than you know that uncertainty of not having a an end point that you can prepare for or you know um for those who don't know jack works in you know the creative industry not knowing when stages rehearsal rooms are, are going to be able to be used and you know people are going to be mixing so day by day is a pretty good strategy i reckon yeah um and and you know you sort of try to plan i don't know a week ahead or something um even with a, an idea of how you're going to feel or how things are going to be but actually you wake up and you feel better than you thought you would or you feel worse than you thought you would and there are so many variables that can influence that um and you know there are obviously things that we can do to try and not have those variables affect us so that we can sort of stay as consistent consistently calm as possible uh and today was one of the good ones where you know i i it, it was a monday that i I wasn't looking forward to and turned out to be really good so yeah that is that is good to hear and before we get into maybe some tips and tricks or or, or what you what you mean by that as in what things you can like quantify or that help you and the word you used was like staying calm 
we're gonna hear we're gonna do that horrible cringe thing, which is not cringe because people want to hear about it, and it sort of qualifies why you have the opinions you have, why the kind of the type of person you are. It's just to hear a little bit about you as a person, Jack. As if as if I didn't know anything about you, you know, from I, I must have met you when you were sixteen, I believe. Mm, yeah. Um, um, so that was that's a long time ago. I just turned thirty, so <laughs> that's a long, long time ago now. Um, so just talk us through maybe a little bit before that your upbringing, uh, what you kind of how you spent your time as a child, what you wanted to do, and then maybe how it panned out differently or the same as what you what you had in mind. Um, so I try and distill it as much as possible. I grew up in the Midlands. I was like in a really um, well-brought-up family, close-knit, um, didn't really suffer any childhood trauma of anything, so I was very lucky in that sense. We sort of socioeconomically lower middle class, um, but very much working class values. So you can you can imagine the sort of, uh, you know, the the not the ideology, the sort of mantras of, of man up and toughen up and soldier through. They were the type of things that sort of instilled a resilience in me that I'm, I'm you know happy to have but um undoing those things in the last few years has been quite a quite a thing um i had the the the, the sort of typical struggle with being a dancer and being at school and navigating around bullying and being fortunate to be all right at sports so that kind of got me on side with some people um and yeah like you said at 16 i i, I moved down to london and went to bird at same age as you i think i am but I obviously did the foundation year, which put me a year behind you. Um, yeah, did a foundation, trained. I uh, was very lucky to have performed in in some in some big shows, and now I'm on the other side of it. As I, I guess the umbrella term is creative teacher, choreographer, director, producer, write all those things um, that you have to do, that you have to hustle with to to try and make your projects a reality. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. was that? Enough? Yeah, of course. That was that was that's more than enough. But also, okay. like, don't 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 feel like you have to rush through it either. You know, we can take as much time on any individual thing. Um, so when it's interesting that you said that sports helped. Do you think that's just because it's um, uh, it's just accepted, right? That th those those coined those terms that you're talking about about manning up and stuff, being good at sport, it's just something that's expected of of a of a bloke or maybe a yeah, I think so. But also, um, I mean, you'll know we were at school just before the the talent shows really hit, so there was no really f real frame of reference, at least in in my where I grew up, of, about what dancing is. You know, it's like, oh, you dance, but what do you do? And you can't. And it's very hard to tell somebody that's never seen dancing in in any way for the most part before um, what jazz is. Or, or what do you know what I mean like without, you know, without sort of saying oh I do ballet I do everything I do ballet modern tap and all of that stuff there was no like oh you know I'm like diversity or I'm like flawless and I know that still seems quite a while ago but I feel like there was a lot more acceptance um for for boys as dancers when those when when those dance styles or when those big dance acts were really profiled and showcased on TV. And we were just a little bit before that. So sports was kind of, again, it was like a, a way to to sort of get some cred with the lads who perhaps, you know, 
looked at me and and or, or or made comments you know out of ignorance and jealousy on reflection but at the time you're just trying to find a way to not have blue tack put in your hair do you know what i mean like what like, <laughs> yeah. the person sitting next i still remember that today um so yeah but look it was it wasn't um it wasn't like mass bullying it was just a little bit no. but i think enough to affect my confidence as a performer um, I think I think it did, or or my sort of wanting to express myself. I think that did affect me in some way. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, super super interesting. Um, tell me about you know you kind of skimmed over your career. You said that you did some good things. You don't have to talk about what you've did if you if you don't want to. That's absolutely fine. But um, let me vouch for you as in you are very successful, very talented, or have been when you put your your mind to it. Talk to me a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a couple of assumptions now. So direct me or correct me if there's if there's anything wrong. When did you decide more to take control, like of creative visions and being able to do things? yourself because i feel like there's a reason for that maybe a little bit of frustration or feel like you had a, some creative mm. on you or something like that so don't let me don't let me spout that if it's incorrect but um no no you're dead right um so i was very fortunate to be given creative opportunities at quite a young age whilst i was training and it that was actually out of necessity when i was still training at, at bird um i was so, sort of uh, submitted to the World Tap Championships um, as Team GB. And uh, I couldn't afford to pay for a choreographer, so I had to do it myself. And so I was, like, forced into this corner of, like, you've got to choreograph something that, you know, it's going to be on, like, a, a big platform. Um, and so I went for it. And the first year was, you know, you learn from your mistakes, but it went all right. The second year was a lot more successful. And that kind of gave – it was sort of a catalyst to – um being a creative and and it, but it was always secondary to performing there was always this like notion that uh as a graduate i need to tick all these boxes and perform in all of these on all of these platforms or in all of these spaces to be considered successful um and it wasn't until i sort of climbed as high as i think my talent would allow um with what's available as a performer until i realized that um didn't actually fulfill me in the way that I was sort of led to believe or, or, or was promised like it would. I know that sounds a bit cliche and I'm not the first person to say that, but, and, I, and I, I'm not claiming like I've, I, I climbed to these like huge heights, but, um, but I, I got to a place where I was like, you know, this is everything that I ever wanted. And yet I think I'd rather, I'd rather make a little video with a couple of mates. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like, what do I want to do? Uh, or, or, you know, what am I going to be happiest having done when I go to bed at night? And it, it's that as opposed to um, what I was doing when I decided to stop performing. Um, so, yeah, that was the kind of transit. It was a slow transition um, and it took a long time. I'm not one to make decisions lightly or, or abruptly. You know, like I, I had to have like a series of of events take place before I realized that um you know this is what i want to dedicate myself to now and and yeah there's you know there's a perception of control that i've got now as a creative but also there's a lot of control that i don't have 
And, you know, especially when you're trying to increase scale or platform or, or progress in a much more professional sense, which costs money. And do you, do you realize that there are lots of holders of keys that you then have to try and access and, and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, by like learning your own skills, knowing the right people, like money, mm. for example, is one of them. There's like lots of different facets that you have to um, have to your game, not just the talent, not just the ability to create, I guess, or, or, or in the raw form, create. Yeah, I think I realized that the actual making of something, um, you know, when you're essentially a producer, as well, especially at, at the sort of level I'm at, I have to produce all my stuff too. Um, the the work, administrative planning, funding, all of that, all of those things, far outweighs the time spent actually doing the creating. Do you know what I mean? Uh, mm. at, at the minute, that's where I am at the minute. Um, and there are some times where you get an opportunity, or you get sort of commissioned to create something, and so all of that production work is bypassed, or somebody else does it. But that usually comes with um, certain constraints, you know, because you've been employed by a certain yeah. institution or something. And it's like, well, there are certain things that you have to follow um, in order to do that. And then that sometimes presents a more exciting challenge because then all of a sudden you've got to create um, something with all of these limitations. And so then you're just looking for the most exciting or best solution to that problem. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I get it, definitely. This It's like a balancing act almost. Um, I really mm. love it when you said about, you know, what what's going to make you the most happy when you go to bed at night. Like, it's a really simple thing, but I think we can all definitely resonate with that when, you know, that's when it's a lot of the time, if you're not practicing certain, you know, journaling or meditation or whatever it is, that that's when we all find our head racing and wondering off the things we should have done, could do, whatever it is. For some reason, you know, there's there's less distraction, and we're just left alone with our thoughts, which can be a very scary thing. And you, you also mentioned about you know, a dance career and, and finding these um, accolades and achievements and things on your CV and and how you were thought you were told how it would feel or something rather than feel it. And I can very much resonate with that. You know, I've I've, I've not done amazing things but i i've done a, a few good credits and stuff like that and um you know when i did my first west end debut uh, and and the curtain call i could definitely feel those things i was the one i was looking around at everyone else's reaction and going god you really love this <laughs> i'm thinking about how much other people love it rather than taking it myself and i was like there's something not quite you know right here and and something something as stupid as like this little platform that I've got of mental health has been my proudest achievement. And it doesn't, it's not even anything that's tangible. It's not like you can't write it on a CV. Do you know what I mean? So it is really weird, but I started as I've learned and grown, start to take more notice on what, what feels right and what brings me joy, you know, rather than mm. to be a certain stereotype. My question to you, Jack is, you know, any comments of what I've just said, but also, um, what what is success to you now now you've you've been down a maybe a, a traditional path of what what a dancer is what is success to you and what, what what are you trying to achieve nowadays um 
Uh, God, I feel a bit speechless. I'm trying to think of what you just said and what I have to say back to it. I think firstly is the people that do absolutely feel fulfilled and uh, and and love the the those big West End shows and those debuts and meeting celebrities and stuff. If you know that makes them happy and and I'm very happy for them. It's I don't think the problem is is um, necessarily that whole thing. It was just that it it for me it just fell a little bit flat. It didn't quite um, get me in the same way that it got them. And I think, like you said, you know, it's sort of, you, you sort of feel a little bit like, hang on a minute, I'm not, I'm not feeling the way that I think I should be. Um, yeah. In terms of success now, I mean, like I'm the, I, I don't know, because I've, I've sort of had enough success on paper to have been considered as successful in the, you know, parameters or the paradigms that that um that the world or the industry considers successful. So I can sort of sit here from a slightly smug position and say, well, success now is is like, you know, getting a beginner tap dancer to do a shuffle pickup chain. Do you know what I mean? Like and and I can I can very smugly say that. I think it's very it's it's a lot different. It would be a lot different if if I hadn't been as lucky as I had as a performer and had to like navigate my way through this this thing of like well i'm not going to do that now for whatever reason um so i need to re you know i need to, i need to sort of refigure out what it means what success means to me um so i do i sort of feel like really privileged and lucky to mm -hmm. um yeah have it have an easy, easy yeah have an easy yeah. frame of reference because you, you you haven't you you feel like your talent has not made it you have to go through too much adversity to get to where you were aiming to kind of thing so you've got this you've got this nice frame of reference I, but i i kind of also when i ask the question i kind of mean conceptually now, now mm. you've, you've been through something that doesn't fulfill you conceptually wh wh where does that leave you now now you've you've striven stri stri what's the past tense of strive <laughs> striven i don't know striven, striven, is that a word um, um you've strived for um this this goal and you've achieved it and, and then it didn't feel successful so has that um changed conceptually what it maybe means for you um yeah i mean look as we're trying to like uh navigate our way through life with technology and algorithms that are not fair um in terms of being able to produce work and put it out to an audience especially when you know a project that i might spend 10 weeks on um you know, really working hard at might actually underperform to somebody not wearing a lot of clothing who's just taken a quick selfie. You know, the fact that the algorithm works by it doesn't matter what is the quality of, of what or the, the substance that a product has, whatever gets the most amount of attention is that which is boosted and therefore exposed and gets the most reactions and stuff. So like, and and, and again, like it's that thing of like, I, I have been lucky to have had really well received things on social media and I've, I've been very grateful for that. But I've, I'm more and more trying to detach myself from any kind of result and instead look at it objectively and um, and just think, I'm happy with how that was. You can only please yourself. I suppose it's um, Ricky Gervais said it I think, years ago on a podcast that I think I listened to. And he, he basically said, you know, you've just got to be happy with the work. If you're happy and proud of it, then that's your success. You don't need any other validation from anybody else. And I, you know, I've got a, I've got a folder full of videos, videos that I've, I've put out, videos that are, 
have been successful that haven't been that well received um and you know because for, for anybody who doesn't know like making video work is like one of the the main things that i do as an outlet to showcase um choreography um and sometimes i'll just sit and watch stuff not out of vanity but just out of pride you know that video that i made in 2015 where you know somebody gave me a studio for a day and i cobbled a few friends together and we shot this thing it's like you know that those types of things and it's it's almost like a diary or, or 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 whatever where you can just see these steps in progress and i can track improvements in my process where i'm like well there's a lot more substance to that it's choreographically much better it's musically better or do you know what i mean you can sort of track progress and and i think that's just a sense you know success is defined for me by sort of looking within and reflection and and not looking to external validation um to to define it because otherwise you'll just drown you do you know what i mean because you get one thing and then you'll just be looking for the next and you know once you've got a thousand followers you want five and then you want 10 and then and 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 it, and it goes on and it's lovely to have that it's lovely to have that 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 type of response but we have to try as hard as we can to you know not let the algorithms affect us in that way and i know that algorithm is just such a buzzword that everybody uses but um but yeah it's 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 attention economy isn't it and and mm. the money making goes to the platforms and not the creators and how do we combat that when everybody the whole audience is on these platforms it's it's a difficult one to navigate but so yeah a very long answer to to a short question is yeah success to me is like inwards it's it's definitely self reflection um and it's always a process there's like a you know each goal or each achievement is is a stepping stone for the next and that stepping stone might go downwards it doesn't always have to ascend but it, it's still you know to carry on with the metaphor you're, you're just you know paving your way um through the 80 spins that we get on this planet if we're lucky yeah. Um, yeah yeah don't say that that's depressing um <laughs> yeah, we, we are definitely in the in the age of validation so it, it's one being aware of that is really important that awareness is is massive and i think that that what you described is, is quite beautiful in the purest form really as long as you're ha you're happy with the work and if you're not happy with it then that's great you know where to improve you know and you know what to do better next time and it's just really interesting that you excused yourself as well as in like looking back at your own work it could be perceived as, as vanity and i understand that why you would say that for sure um but i think we should be normalizing celebrating our own our own work and our own success really because you know it doesn't matter what it if that becomes vanity when you're comparing it to other people and how far other people have come but if it's just something that you've done that you're proud of yeah and then you and you and, and you and like you said before as well it put it in that context of you you were proud of it at the time that was something that you produced that was to the best of your ability and then you continue you progress you know these are these are these are they're perfect ways of looking at things not perfect you know nothing's perfect but i i i'm on board with that definitely yeah and it's something that i try to pass on to as many graduating students as possible uh, and it's the thing that I think kept me going, kept the flame alive as I, you know, struggled to make it as a performer. Because whilst I can like list off some CV credits, there were obviously many, many months where 
I just had nothing, like nothing to sort of look forward to as a performer. No opportunities, no auditions. And the auditions I did get, I wasn't right for. And, you know, all of those things where I'd be going in and singing a pop song as a tenor, and I'm not that, and doing dance styles that I don't excel at. And and always going away, you know, obviously you're being compared to others because that's the nature of it. They're looking for the person that they want to cast for their show. Um, and I think unless you have that passion project to just help sustain whilst you're you're like trying to to find your way I think is really important um and yeah I I felt like as a performer the my balance of skill set was not uh, in a place that lent itself to you know sustained regular employment where I could buy a house or whatever like I always felt like there'd be these big dips because um, I don't know how this comes across, but I consider myself quite highly skilled at one at some things, but not at others. And I think sometimes, you know, that kind of like all roundedness is needed to be more have more employability and therefore to to like keep working. And and for me, I just didn't have that. I guess I could have worked on it to try and balance that out, but um, yeah. but it's just not how the cards fell. Like I just found myself doing what I wanted to do. But that's yeah, that is an idealistic way you could have worked on something, but you instead you're step, taking yourself outside of the system and creating your own work and your own things and potentially employment for people who are skilled in the same things as you or the things that you want to create. You know, so I think it's a very admirable way of doing things and potentially more courageous. You know, rather than sticking to the normality and and sticking to the to the way that things should be done. It brings me on to the question about that you mentioned. You mentioned it in there in that answer about passion, and uh, passion. I've learned from speaking to a lot of people, really helps with, you know, uh, identity and purpose and the, these really hard concepts that, that that we hold dear as, as humans. Um, and I, I, what you explained in, in different words is basically that you, you know you're not the sum of your achievements. You know, you're not you're not your CV. That doesn't validate you as a person, you know, lots of other things, you know, outside of a specific industry make you a well-rounded human, not just a performer, you know. So my question to you is kind of like, I, I think I know some of the answers as well, but I'd love, love to hear it from you from your own, but about what you're, you are passionate about. And something to bear in mind when answering is, Passion comes from, I think, the Latin. This is what I learned from somebody who was on the show saying about it. You're willing to suffer for, you know, something that you're you're willing to uh, suffer for. So, Jack Evans, tell us about your passions. A, a, a sort of non-dance related passion. Is that the question? Um, no, the question is, what are your passions? There's no. There's okay, no I mean, okay. I, I I mean, I don't know if this sounds a bit cheesy but in three words story movement and music they're the three things that i i care most about um as a as a as a creative as a person is story music and movement um and then there there are other things there are i've i've always had this uh, kind of analytical outlook where i don't question everything but i'm i you know i don't think there's any use having a mind if it's not prepared to change and I've been one of those people that has been um if evidence has been brought forward to me 
that something I've always believed is not true, I'm prepared to accept that and then make that change. And that for me is like, you know, a, a, a characteristic that I value most in, in, in anybody. Um, and I, I suppose it's worth mentioning veganism and how that came about. I mean, it was somewhat um, romantic at first because I was basically trying to go on a date with a girl and the question came up. She's my girlfriend now of like five years. And it oh, came up, oh yeah. Well. <laughs> um, I was eating meat. I was quite a bit of a gym rat, and she was a vegetarian all her life. And she's, you know, we started talking about it. I started to rile off some nonsense about amino acid profiles and stuff that, you know, is just pseudoscience and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, she, uh, she sort of, I don't. Know, I think she she sent me a picture of a gorilla and said, "Explain this." <laughs> you know, uh, one of the biggest, strongest animals on the planet who who you know eats plants, and um, and so yeah, all of a sudden this this huge belief system that I had just just burst, and I um, started researching, and and now I'm I'm not a militant vegan, um, but I'm very prepared to talk about it and to you know, engage in difficult conversations with people about it because I like I, I'm passionate about it. And it, and and if passion means to suffer for something, I I would suffer not a friendship, but I would suffer a, a, a situation or a comfortable situation to to like, you know, describe my passion for something. I I'm I'm prepared for that. It unfortunately in this instance, the topic always comes up around the dinner table, which is the wrong time to talk about it. Do you know what I mean? Because the last thing you yeah. want to do is make someone feel bad for what they're eating or to sort of like try and tell them that it's not very healthy or it's not very good for the planet and things. So um so yeah, it it the the topic doesn't come up much, but um but I I would say that that's something I'm very passionate about. Um but yeah, again yeah, it's, that, it's that more based on um you know you know, a lot of people are, are vegan and, and use that word for different things and, and for different reasons. You know, because it was a new belief system back then, which I, was four or five years ago, six years ago, something like that. Um, one, has your reasons for it changed? And, and two, what what are those main reasons? Is it environment? Is it your own health? Is it everything? You know, um, well, it's there's there's like a there's like three pillars of it you know there's there's um animal liberation there's health and there's the environment what does that say it's reverse power by plants nice um <laughs> and yeah for me for me right the, the, and this is the thing is like uh, for me veganism is minimizing animal suffering as much as is practically practicably possible and that's all and that's all so you know you're going to have a sandwich you know, is, is, is there a way to, to minimize animal suffering when you eat a sandwich? Yeah. Don't eat meat with that. It's like, and I know that's like a really simplified version, but it is that because inevitably, you know, we buy products and, um, you know, even bread. And I know there's these like, you know, Piers Morgan type arguments about killing rodents in a wheat field and stuff. And so you're still killing animals, but it's about minimizing it. So that's really like the crux of it. It's not an absolute thing. Um, and yes, it, it started off with, I think it was, it, it started off with climate change and then it flipped to health and then it went to animal liberation. For me, you know, seeing seeing animals go through what they go through in order to be 
turned into food um that's the that's the silver bullet you know if 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 we all saw that i think i think we'd all make a change if if slaughterhouses um had glass walls um we wouldn't eat meat that's that's a, that's i don't know who that saying's by but i've seen it a lot that's how i feel about it but but yeah um it's slow progress and i spent 25 years eating meat and staunchly advocating for it and so i don't hold you know any opinion of anybody of any age that um still does and um what if there's one thing i've learned it's it's um people need to discover things for themselves and make their own choice and you can be there as a provider for information and talk to them but being militant and forceful does nothing to nobody um in terms of trying to get people to 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 change um so yeah, I, and I think there's been some degree of influence um, to people over the years that I've spoken to, and I'm that you know if you want to talk about success, I'm very very proud of that to know that there's perhaps you know about twenty or thirty people through like rippling effects that now are, are, are plant based, and over the years that would have saved hundreds if not thousands of animals' lives. So I'm very I'm very I don't know I suppose that's success that isn't defined by um, external validation you know that's been a communal local level type of change that i'm proud of yeah that 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 is really powerful man and and you know things like that not necessarily just veganism but if you can introduce somebody to a tool or something to do with their mindset or, or some you know a coping mechanism or a way to deal with things uh, whatever it is you know if you can, if you can instill that into somebody and that they that changes their life and then they instill it into other people like things for positive for positive change that's yeah yeah, yeah. i think um, i think teachings really really highlighted that for me because at first it was a bit of a means to an end selfishly it was a stepping stone it was you know what is the transition from performer to you know fully employed regular professional choreographer you got to teach you got to earn your stripes and do your hours and figure out how to go from being able to showcase a skill to transferring it to another person how do you um distill information and make it palatable and digestible for somebody else um actually just on on a side note elon musk talked about this about an idea and how we essentially compress it convert it in order to communicate it then once it's received it's unpacked and like unzipped as it were and so mm you know, whilst he figures out how we can share ideas through, you know, implants or whatever, I have to think of what's the best way of compressing and translating information so that it can be received in the best way possible. Um, I feel like that's a skill. But but anyway, teaching is, is yeah, it, what, what started off as being, um, you know, a sort of means to an end, maybe I, I, well, I, I, I'm lucky enough to have got on the property ladder, it's a stable income, very, very lucky that it's helped me survive uh the last year um and uh but i've seen what things do what words can have uh what effects they can have on students um and it that might just be a general note it might be encouragement um and i i, I think I, I don't always recognize what i've said to people but i recognize what other teachers have said and how that's it influence them in my class and stuff like that so uh so yeah i without sort of you know uh uh 
tracking it or anything it's something i've recognized is that you know this we can we can really change somebody in in you know a single sentence um mm. if it's said at the right time doesn't necessarily have to be the most literate or artistic or th- provoke um you know thoughtful thing it's just all about timing and sensing the tone and and i i I realize now more and more that teaching or choreographing or directing is essentially being like a thermostat you've got to set the temperature of the room so everybody's comfortable and you therefore you have to be a people person you have to figure out what people need and that's enough or that's too much and is everybody okay and and at least i think that's what that's what creative should be doing they shouldn't be ruling with a nine fist and saying this is the way i want it conform to me because you're just not going to get the best out of you know your performers or students yeah i think what you said timing is is a very interesting one and then like that kind of outweighs how profound something is you say you know if it's people if just mirroring with with the sort of plant-based thing People are going to need it at their own time, you know, and at their mm. own degree. As a creative, then, I mean, I have my own opinion of it, like that it is like coaching and coaching a team. And, you know, that's the hard part about it is that you're dealing with multiple people who are individuals and they like, learn, love in different ways. What are the challenges that you faced or overcame or improved skills in when it comes to, you know, taking on a whole class of people, taking on a whole group of people to choreograph with? You know, they're all individuals, right? You can't you can't tie them with the same brush or, or give them the information in the same way. Yeah, exactly. I I think it's um, it's empathy. It's understanding that characteristics and behaviour. Um, not necessarily that they can all be explained away, but there's always a reason. There's a reason why this person is always late or there's a reason why their attendance isn't great. And there could be um, a problem that needs addressing as opposed to they've got this innate problem with them that can't be changed. And I, I think only like, like I said, like I've, I've, you know, I've not been privileged. I'm not, I'm not in that the sort of top one percent. I, th- I think or everyone in this country is in like the top 10% around the world. But um uh I've I've been lucky enough to to not have had substantial trauma that has affected my behavior in a noticeable way. So if I was to judge everybody on my experience, then I could say, well, you're just being lazy and you know, you're just a, a you know, you're just not bothered. And uh, do you know what I mean? And, and it's like a development of empathy and realizing that, hey, they've been through something. Obviously, like the older I get, the more stuff happens and the more trauma I do eventually go through, which I have recently. And the more I, I sort of realize what grief is. And, you know, God, if, if somebody went through something when they were eight years old and had so much grief and couldn't maybe they couldn't fully address it. And that could explain why there's a particular behavioral trait in them now. So, um, so yeah, when it comes to like the classroom or, or rehearsal, um, without like asking about their life story, you just assume that if there's a, a poor behavioral thing about somebody, that it's not out of ill will. They're not, you know, they're not bad people. There's, there's probably a reason for it. And, and you should do your best to try and encourage and, and nurture them to um, 
to feel better and more comfortable, I think. Mm. But yeah, I think it stems from empathy. I think so. I think that's that's a perfect answer that I agree with anyway, personally, is, is empathy is definitely, um, you know, an answer to a lot of problems, you know, it's, it's kind of mm. a key to open all doors in, in some respects. Um, do you think that it's important then, if, if you're talking about empathy, is it important to create spaces and permissions for people to be able to express themselves that can maybe help you identify, you know, the answers to these problems, if, if you understand? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, and I, again, like I was very lucky enough to, so I've been teaching at Bird College full time for about three, well, this is my third year, and in the first two years, about 60% of what I did there was was creative projects. And um, there's really no sort of strict thing that you have to do, uh, you have to follow in order to make these projects. It's open to me. I get set this thing of like, you need a 12-minute piece ready to go in the theatre. You've got eight to 10 weeks to do it. And that's it. And so, like I said, I could I could go in and rule the nine fist and say, this is what I want and make people conform to it. Or we can sit in a circle, break down hierarchies. I will admit that I will have the worst opinion, like I'll have the worst suggestion. You know, I'll, I'll say the stupidest thing and anyone can say anything. Do you know what I mean? And, and like you just build things up that way and you make it um, community and collaborative and people have poured in aspects of themselves into these projects in ways that they may not have done with a you know somebody that was perhaps a bit stricter and and again like I feel lucky to have been given the opportunity to figure that out and I think if I didn't have that particular job and I was just teaching class maybe I wouldn't have discovered that because you know teaching a, a, a genre or teaching a technical genre week in week out um so a lot of the time for me I feel compelled to to like you know meet all of these requirements in terms of providing training whereas when it's a creative thing because there's no expectation other than a time limit and a, a frame of uh you know a time frame to to make it it can be anything and therefore we can explore things and it turns out how, how it turns out so yeah creating space is is definitely something it's very difficult to do at the minute on zoom but um you know maybe five minutes in a class um of just personal interaction stripped away from training and, and discipline and all of that um could change somebody's approach to the training and the discipline stuff so uh so yeah it's it's been it's been really it's been really interesting i don't think i i mean i I don't know if any students or ex-students I've taught are watching, but I don't know if I come across as having this sort of thought because I, I know that I'm quite uh, not vacant, but I don't really like express much in like the way that I, I, I talk or like my reaction. I'm quite like shielded off. And um, but it's definitely what goes on in my mind, you know, and it's, it's really fulfilling to see somebody who was perhaps quiet or didn't know they had a creative spark to grasp a moment and and like flourish it's mm. great yeah i think I, I love what you're saying by the way and i think that although we're using a very specific example of um dance class uh, or you know the specific example of, of creativity i think it definitely applies to um multiple things anything that includes hierarchy so it, it just shows to me anyway what's what makes 
a good leader or someone that's willing to put themselves on the same playing field as, as other people, you know, and it's something that I regret very much. I, I, I used to love teaching and I used to teach at a, a different college, London Studio Centre for like five years and I was very mm. young and the problem is I was very young when I started teaching so I, I would be often be younger than some of the students I was teaching and um, I think that put me set me out on the wrong foot that I always had a bit of um I, I wasn't really my own personality when I was in the room I was more of a facade and tried to come across like authoritative I tried you know I mm. um you know there'd be all sorts of things I wanted to come across attractive as well yeah. like the students I was teaching a similar age bracket as me um you know so so there was the element of trying to be cool whatever whatever that meant you know be be strong and uh, and these things that I think I could you know, I, I think I give a good teaching experience and with knowledge and and stuff. But I feel like I could have given a. Now knowing more about what students go through and through life and identifying traits and empathy in people, I could have given. I could have put myself on a lot more even playing field, but the reason I didn't do it was probably my ego at the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. All those things that you mentioned, I, that was me too. You know, I taught I taught from quite a young age, you know, sort of uh, having a, a particular skill in quite a niche subject, which not, you know, many people, I think, strive to, to do, to teach and choreograph in tap dance anyway. Um, I was the same, you know, like employed at young age, commissioned um, to create for colleges and stuff where I would be younger than the people that I was teaching or the same age and... And and you're trying to prove a point or, yeah, you're trying to earn your stripes or you're trying to sort of show, like, I'm here for this reason and I've been in this show and I look this way. And, and actually, I don't know whether that's just an age thing. I don't know whether there needs to be a degree of separation between you and the student. And, like, I, I still feel closer in, like, culturally and age-wise to the students than I do from, than I, yeah, I still feel quite close to them. Uh, but I think there's enough separation now to have to to not feel like I need to put myself out there or prove any point. But then at the same time, uh, there's there's not the same likelihood that there used to be when I was teaching at like the age of 22 that a week later I'd be auditioning with the people that I just taught because that's the worst. And that happened a couple of times where yeah I taught yeah. somebody a week later we were in an audition and I got cut and he got through. And and like, you know, talk about success and trying to trying to like, you know, figure out that that wasn't a problem. And actually, whatever that person might have thought about the fact that they've just got through over their teacher, um, that's their business and not yours. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's and it's funny that it didn't matter that I'd done a couple of shows before that. That didn't matter. It was like the here and now, you know, you're you're only as good as your last audition. All of that nonsense is, it really took over me. And like I said, you know, you've got to, I, for me, it was reading. I discovered reading and, and I think podcasts as well, those two things, but mainly reading that like opened my mind up and took me out of this box that I was in and developed empathy and realized that actually teaching is much more than just, you know, proving that you're, you're eligible to be in, you know, really a student should just trust um your credentials just because they've been hired by the institution that they're training at to teach you mm. you know the 
the teacher doesn't have to do anything else. They don't have to prove anything else. Like, I'm here. I'm I'm employed. I'm hired to teach you, and that's enough. You know, that's enough uh, credentials that you need. Surely, um, yeah. It's very it's very interesting you say that, man, because that was one of the main reasons that I stopped enjoying dancing and teaching was because of being in the same audition, same room as some of my students. Yeah. Um, not not having the emotional maturity to you know, not let it affect my confidence or the projection of myself that I thought I was, you know, or, or that, I, that I wanted them to think that I was. Um, that was a really tough ask, you know, to, 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 to deal with that. Um, yeah, and it's the most, it's the most bizarre environment. And, and I, I think it's, I don't think many people do it. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know how that's sustainable to, to do that, to, to teach and to audition at the same time it's i don't know it's it's a very very difficult one um what other you know industry or discipline or, or whatever in in the world does that where a teacher is up against a student and do you know what i mean it's it's sort of and and also not judged on on skill because auditions are rarely about skill they're about castability i mean obviously there's a degree of skill involved but you know I'm six foot four and if a student that I taught is five foot nine and they're looking for someone for five foot nine, it doesn't matter on skill, I'm getting cut. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But it's like it's it's there's still this um I suppose element of of judgment on skill, regardless of of those things which are, are clear but perhaps not um spoken clear clearer about. And yeah. So, yeah. It, it it is interesting. I think it does have implications in everyday life, you know, like um, pe people who climb up hierarchies in, say, in a corporate environment, there someone might be a really great uh, salesman and, and they make their way up through the ranks. And, you know, the, the next step, I spoke to some of my friends who work in corporate, you know, they become managers and management to people. It doesn't mean they've got good management skills. They're not good teachers. They're not good exactly. They're not good mentors. Um, and and they've they've leap, maybe leapfrogged some people that have those skills um, just because they've, they've 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 nailed some sales, you know, and they've got the skills that make them a good salesman. You know, you might have, and, and it's interesting you say about trusting the establishment that employs teachers, but that could be, an, you know, that could be interesting as well because I know that some. This is where criteria is really important, isn't it? Because you could get someone who's hiring the most amazing dancers to teach, but you don't have to be the best dancer to be the best teacher, you know, and yeah. like we've, you've learned, we've learned as, as life goes on. I think that's, this is what makes me somewhat left leaning politically and socially is this, this idea that we all need each other in, in order to do each other's job. And I'm no more qualified or, or I shouldn't be valued any more than somebody who's teaching a five-year-old how to, um walk with opposite arm, arm to leg do you know what yeah. i mean so uh you know those those teachers are, are just as important as as what i'm doing because we need we need that we need them we need them to do uh, their job um and and yeah so it's and i agree this whole like teacher being promoted to a manager but that doesn't necessarily mean you have managerial skills you just have experience in teaching 
and obviously like managerial skills that come you know the, the requirements that come with that position um aren't necessarily bestowed upon the teachers with the most experience so you know it's a difficult one but then as as an employer i wouldn't know how to navigate through that anyway yeah it is a really difficult one i'm sorry i put that the question over your face yeah what was that? Um, um this question for both of us and maybe we've, we've only got about five minutes left so we can maybe have a little shot at this um before before we wrap things up so thank you for everyone that's um watching so far watching live uh, if, if you missed it you know they'll get posted and will be a podcast um of this so you can share it with your friends and i did see a comment from sk parsons that said to know we have genuine teachers showing how much they care bird uh means so much to us I think that's a very interesting point. It mirrors some of the things that Jack was saying earlier on. Um, so it's very appreciated, Jack. So when you're ready, and if you've read the question, take it away, mate. Have, have a little go at that. I'll read it out for anyone who's listening. Both being men that project a typical societal masculinity, whole load of things we could break down in that first part of the sentence. Um, but to try and answer it more directly, how do you deal with the way in such non-theatre people, I'm guessing the second half of the question got cut off. How do you deal with the way in such, the way in such non-theatre people? I'm not sure I understand the question. Mm, yeah, same. Dubri, Luke, I, 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 I apologize. I think maybe I want to answer it. I want to answer it well. So, there's yeah, a... if if you've got a way to to expand on the question, we will we can keep things going a little bit longer and and uh, try and to get that done for you. As uh, I'd love to answer it also. Um, I'll read out the comment we've got from Mayor. Said your approach to anything is always so meticulously thorough. Um, always inspiring, encouraging students to share and grow. Incredibly grateful to have teachers like you, Bird College. Look at this, mate. I hope you. I hope you're feeling good. You said that your Monday was um, going better than you thought. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, it's not finished yet. It's great. It's getting better. Exactly, exactly. And and Derbury, Derbury Luke. I'm, getting, I'm assuming it's Luke Derbury. So I apologise. Keep saying it the wrong way around, Luke. Uh, how non-theatre people define our personalities based on solely on our careers when there is often very far from reality oh this is a good this is a good question and um I, I you can take it away first if you'd like to jack he's just asking about people that make assumptions on you based on your career and well i have to be honest it's been quite a while since I, i've i've encountered that um because i i'm not the only one in the family that's performed there's somewhat intergenerational in in terms of like i've got I, i've got a couple of first cousins one that's like you know a few years older than me one that's a few years younger than me uh and so in the extended family it's been accepted and understood by everybody there's not been any kind of problems there um I, and I, I suppose this is an admission of the closed circuit uh, community aspect of the industry, whereby, well, at least for me, most of my friends are in the industry anyway. Um, the only experiences I've got are just bewildered looks from friends of like my dad when I was a student and I'd be at the pub with him and he would, he would say quietly, oh, he's a dancer, he's a dancer. And they, they would sort of look like I just... I, I think it's just like a, a different world. They just didn't understand what that meant. Um, and uh, I suppose, well, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. It's, it's not something that I've, 
Yeah, I suppose I've tracked a track to change. Like us going back to the whole like talent show thing and how um, the the rise of the the prominence of dance acts on TV. Not that like I'm a fan of talent shows in any which way, but but just like the exposure that that's provided, I think has given some sort of frame of reference to like non theatre people to to understand what my career might entail. Yeah. Um, for, for those who are watching, I know there's a few little um, connection issues on Instagram Live, but if you want to switch to YouTube, the, we've got a, a great um, connection on there, and also which there's a link in the bio, and also if you want to listen back on the podcast, it's all been recorded locally, so all of Jack's amazing answers um, throughout the, the episode will be there for you to go back over. Um, for me, when it comes to personalities, I think I do have a lot of privilege and a lot of natural confidence from my own experience, you know, and what confidence means to me is that I feel comfortable, you know, it's not always been the same, it's not always been to this degree, but not caring too much about what other people think of me. And, you know, that is a hard. That's a very much easy thing to say and and not not to do because if you if you're a nice person, you care about what people think about you. You don't want to upset them. You know that's that's a lot to navigate. But what what I think is refreshing is that if you're around people who are very confident in who they are, they don't try and put themselves into a box for you. They don't try. You know they happily have contrasting or different views and it makes them interesting you know so don't what my advice would be is that is, is although it's very hard don't try and worry about what people think of you because it, it, it basically is almost a mirror on how you're judging other people you know like if, if you feel like you have to put everyone else in, in, in different boxes and, and something to quantify and make you feel comfortable understanding them. Be try and be comfortable with not understanding. When you when you don't when you don't understand something and you don't understand someone and, and find it interesting, that's when you'll find yourself interesting and, and find yourself, um, you know, having the confidence to be unapologetically yourself, no matter whether that's your sexuality, what you're into, hobbies, wise career, anything like that, and, and let other people worry about it. Um, I hope yeah. that made a bit of sense. Yeah, there's there's a Matt Haig is a novelist that I've come to absolutely love, um, and his books are like really philosoph philosophical. And it, he just simply says, "What other people think of you is their business and not yours. It's, it's literally not your business to know um, what other people think of you." And it's very difficult to sort of actually um, live by that when you know. Uh, society or culture at least wants you to be concerned with what other people think about you because that instills insecurity and fear and both of those things generate profit because it makes you buy stuff that you think you need in order to be accepted more by more people um but in terms of like i i again i, th I don't know if it's an age thing like the longer i've 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 been alive on this earth and the more people that i've met and have come to accept me and the 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 maybe the clashes that I've had, the more friendships that perhaps part ways or form, it's just you just realize that people are are different. And if someone 
doesn't like what you do or thinks it's weird or calls you names or whatever it's their business you know it's, it's their business and you just let it wash over you because there are plenty of people that um love what you do and and you know love everything about you and and you just want to find more of those people spend your time with them yeah that's it that that's a, a better way to maybe try and explain it at least the people who you're going to want around are the people that like you for your differences and your and what you're into so the more you are yourself the more you're going to have really valuable relationships um and and things that you know you feel valued and you don't have to second guess so that that would definitely be one there's some amazing comments from anthony pereira um back in your skills as a teacher jack so i'm hoping you're reading and taking these in and feeling good i am but it is my first time on insta live and i'm I, i'm really weird because i'm quite good with technology but when it's not something i've not seen like i don't i'm like what's going on so but yeah really nice to and from amazing students as well well that's it it's really nice to see we, we are just about out of time we've been going on we started late we've gone on longer but i i've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it and i think there's been some benefit from for me, um, hopefully for yourself as well, definitely for some of the students listening. Um, did you have any last thoughts that you wanted to wrap up or say anything, Jack? No, I mean, other. I, I just think some, you know, this conversation that I'm having with you really happens um, between people um, offline. And uh, sometimes I think, you know, I, the reason why I said yes to doing this is because I knew that it would be beneficial for both of us to have this conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm grateful that people have watched and and have enjoyed it. And thank you for doing that. And if there's been anything valuable from it, um, uh, I'm I'm glad. But really, selfishly, um, you know, being able to talk to you in this way has been a, a great practice for me to unload and to try and articulate and to try and like you know understand m my own thoughts and and get feedback from you. And I think these types of conversations need to happen more offline as well. Do you know what I mean? Between friends, how are you doing? Um, what do you want to do? Do you know what I mean? I think we're so concerned with like, uh, I, I, I guess like uh, fast food type conversations. Do you know what I mean? And, and not that kind of like till the early hours of the morning, quest pondering the universe because we constantly have these technological distractions available to us that um, prevent that, prevent wandering at the wonder um, so yeah, I'm very, I'm very grateful for this for this conversation. Thank you, mate. You're more than welcome, and I can't um, I can't advocate what you just said enough. You know, I, I try and believe it or not, I try and do it a lot myself, and I just think that you know, you're right. There's nothing wrong, no matter who you are and 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 who you speak to and who your friends are. Like, when was the last time you had these conversations with your own mum and dad? When when was the last conversation? Yeah, this with you know your best friend that you've known for years have you taken a chance to update him and ask him on his passions and, and, and yeah. you, know, uh, you know and everybody wants to be heard you know we, we are all selfish creatures we have to be selfish is a defense mechanism you know it's, it's it's a survival technique so people's favorite subject usually is themselves and there's nothing wrong with saying that like own it be aware of it be aware of when you're speaking about yourself too much you know but but like people around you want to be heard so mm definitely you know pick their brains they'll they'll, they'll be uh, they'll be really grateful i think it's a yeah. good tool. yeah well thank you so much jack for sharing your time um 
emotion, energy, you know, your openness with me. And I, I really enjoyed, you know, like just muddling through some points and not, it doesn't have to be perfect, it doesn't have to be concise hmm. there, there in the end, you know? Yeah, thanks a lot. You're welcome, mate. You're a legend. Thank you to everyone who watched. Um, give, give it a share and, and, and mental health follow and we'll see you all very soon. Make sure you check out what Jack does. He's amazing. Some of his videos will actually blow your mind. Like he is, he's insane. I don't know how his brain works like that. It makes me embarrassed. It makes me feel really dumb. Join us at Mental Health, exploring how openness can lead to progress.